Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like... But you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We're covering a topic I don't think we've covered before, but we're talking about, you know, how do you sell businesses that don't make money? In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. And today on The Deal Board, we're covering a topic I don't think we've covered before, but we're talking about you know how do you sell businesses that don't make money? Um, and I want to put a caveat on this too first, Andy. This is not because we're worried about the economy or anything like that. There are businesses that don't make money that sell every year, no matter the economy. Um, they're just out there. And these deals get done, right? Yeah. I mean, we've at one point, and it might have been during the economic uh, downturn or COVID, but almost 25% of the businesses uh, that were out there were asset value. They were selling for the basis of their assets instead of because of their uh, because of their income. So, right. And I mean, on on the deal board, we've talked a lot about the market method and multiples of earnings are two times, right? So, but there's also, you mentioned this, there's also a different way of valuing businesses. And you've got a great guest that talks to us about that today as well. Yeah, I have Sheila Darby from Business BizWorth. And she comes in and talks about this. Specifically, there's three ways to value a business. There's the income method. There's the comparable method, which both usually use some sort of level of income or sales. And then lastly, there's an asset method. And assets can be hard assets, you know, things you would think about like equipment and inventory and uh, they have fixtures that are built into the leaseholds. Plus, there are uh, intangible values. So there could be customer lists and phone numbers and websites and IP and there could be, you know, software, all kinds of things that are put into place that businesses may be, other businesses may be able to buy for really less than, so usually when BizMorth goes into a business, they're valuing the business based on market value. But that market value doesn't necessarily mean that's what it's worth to you. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's just a different way to look at valuation and begin the negotiation process. And there are buyers that are out there looking for businesses that have hard assets or, you know, in these intangible assets. And they're not as concerned if they're cash flowing, making money or not, because they might have a better use for those assets as well. Yeah. I mean, a great example of that is restaurants right now, right? So restaurants in busy cities. So in restaurants in busy cities, we happen to be in Florida, Denver, Texas. I mean, you can't get in a restaurant and there's a lot of restaurants that are, you know, built out uh, that, if you wanted to build out a new restaurant, you would have to go out and hire 
electricians and plumbers and what's happening to those labor forces. They're very in demand. You would have to go out and get your stainless steel and your appliances installed. What's happening with that? With There's still pressures on the supply chain and the, all that stuff is expensive. Or And that could take months. Permits, city permits, all this stuff going on to try to build out a restaurant. And then there might be a restaurant that closed or is not doing well that already has all that equipment in place, already has a location, maybe even has a phone number, or maybe even has, it just needs a better menu, it needs a better operator, it needs a different concept. And you could buy that for much less than you could recreate it. Yeah, yeah. They call them second generation spaces and it's really popular in the restaurant space. But I do encourage listeners, like especially on the buy side, that happens in every industry, right? And think about if you could acquire um, say you're in the sign industry, right? And you can require a second location for a fraction of what it would cost you to open it. And even all the intangibles you get with that, the customer list, the employees, everything like that. So um, I think it's a really great method to talk about something we don't talk about very often. Um, I also interview Bob from uh, Second Wind Consultants and that Second Wind is a good partner of ours too. And sometimes what happens is, uh, not necessarily a business isn't making money, but they're not cash flowing because of debt and some other situations they've gotten themselves into. And what can happen is it can pressure the sale to have to happen for a certain amount to pay that debt off at closing. And second win, like I mentioned, they've been a great partner. They help in some debt elimination, renegotiating processes, turnarounds to make that sale easier to happen um, and reduce those cash flow demands on the business before they go to sell the company. So um, a huge benefit to a lot of owners. But again, it's something we we don't talk about very often, but it also gives owners a lot of opportunity that they might not think hey, my business might not be sellable because I'm in this situation where I can't afford my debt, maybe even facing bankruptcy. Um, and there are people that can help turn around that situation so you can get something for the business when it's time to exit. Yeah, obviously the restructure, it would be very, very helpful. And that's what we have Second Wind for. They do a great job of that. And valuing it would be helpful with, uh, you know, somebody like Sheila, both partners of Transworld. So go to your Transworld agent, but again, there's so much opportunity out there. We always, we used to say, and we still say, what do you think there are out there in the world? Do you think there are more bad owners or bad businesses? Mm. And the answer is there's probably a lot more bad owners. Yeah. So there's people that have misstructured their capital or they're, you know, again, too far in debt or they're not good operators. How many times have you heard, I bought this business for my son or my daughter and they decided they didn't like it. And now they're gone. And, you know, and there's all these opportunities out there for people who think they should be in the restaurant business, think they should be in the hair salon business, think they should be in the fitness business. And they open up, they put a ton of money into these places and they just need out. And you as a motivated buyer or you as a business that is looking to expand can capitalize on this. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like if you think about, I think it's the SBA that estimates 70% of all businesses go out of business within 10 years, right? And I don't know where they get that data from or you know how valid it is, but there is thousands of businesses that are facing that situation every year. And as a savvy buyer, you can, you can get into some really good established businesses. They might be beautiful locations, fantastic models that for one reason or another 
just aren't working under the current ownership. Now, listen, as a business broker and as an owner of a business broker, I've been fortunate enough to pick up several business brokerages for basically nothing. I mean, you know, I had to pay earnouts, and so there's different structures. And again, we talk a little bit about that, which uh, Sheila talking about the different ways people are buying this and what the values are. So it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoy our two interviews and uh, let's, let's jump in and let's see what they have to say. Yeah, let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. All right, welcome back to the deal board, everybody. And as Andy and I mentioned, we've got a couple great interviews for you today. I myself am joined with uh, Bob Denazi. He is from Second Wind Consultants. Second Wind is a great partner with Transworld and they really help us um, working with some businesses that not necessarily don't make money, but they're having some cash flow issues. So Bob, with that, I'll I'll give it over to you. Just introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as well. Sure, of course. Thanks for having me, Jessica. Um, my name is Bob Denazi. I'm the Chief Growth Officer with Second Wind Consultants. We focus in business restructurings to capture underlying business value, particularly when the balance sheet has become overlevered, which otherwise makes a business difficult to finance or difficult to sell. Um, so we work through reorganizations that separate the value of that business from the liabilities that are uh, precluding its growth or precluding a transaction. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a, important for us to talk about too, because we uh, we work with you guys a lot when it's precluding a transaction, right? Because it's the type of clients that we're running into, but it, that you don't have to be facing a transaction or facing a sale to engage your services, right? It could just be that the debt's um, preventing growth of the business or sustainability of the business, really. Yeah, absolutely. Look, great businesses um, come into situations where they're over leveraged for a number of reasons. Could have been a pandemic, could be supply chain, could be the credit crunch, which uh, forces borrowers to take out increasingly expensive credit or even dangerous credit like merchant cash advances. It could be supply chain issues. There are a number of reasons why solid companies with underlying value and good histories get into balance sheet trouble. Um, now, typically uh, in the lower middle market and uh, middle market in those spaces, historically, Tools involving, and big word here, reorganization haven't been available. Those are typically reserved for, you know, the American Airlines and the Toys R Us and the large companies. Um, we apply those same principles to smaller, middle and lower middle market businesses uh, in order to, and when we say reorganization, what we really mean is a way to separate out what's really good about the business from what's not working and what's weighing it down. Yeah, I, I love it because... You know, we do hear like the bailouts and stuff like that and the reorganizations on, on the larger side, but there's not a whole lot of companies that provide services like yours. And my intuition is a lot of people that are listening to this interview right now, um, probably this is their first introduction that that type of service is available for a business their size. Um, so let's let's dive a little bit into um, what would be some of the identifiers or situations that a business owner might face that should prompt them to say, hey, I should have a con conversation with Second Wind. 
Sure. Um, there's a spectrum on the worst end of the spectrum, which is not the only time to think about uh, employing these strategies. But if a business has become so overlevered uh, that it's considering a bankruptcy plan, for example, um, that would be a great time. Because uh, something not a lot of people know is that bankruptcy plans simply do not work for middle market and lower middle market businesses. They have an abysmal failure rate in terms of reaching a successful discharge. Um, additionally, if you're at the point where your business is unfinanceable by conventional means, meaning you don't have an asset base to leverage through a you know a traditional asset based lender or factoring lender, um, and you find yourself considering a merchant cash loan, although they're not really loans, that's what they're called. Um, that would be a good time also. So the business doesn't need to be insolvent either. I mean, a lot of times we will work with intermediaries or would-be sellers when, for example, the liabilities are such that the business can operate and service its debt, but not much more. And at that point, the owner is working for the bank. So there's not so much debt on the balance sheet that you can't operate the business but there is enough debt on the balance sheet that you can't finance the business or exit the business. Mm-hmm. And that trap, which prevents growth, prevents a sale, that's, that's a better, even better time to fall. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And we, we run into the situations a lot. And I've sent, recently sent you guys over a couple of deals where uh, the debt will be more than what the business is worth, right? Sure. So then what ends up happening is in a sale is this, what the seller needs to get out of the sale is unrealistic in the marketplace. Right. And, and that doesn't mean like, it's not like they wouldn't be happy with the money. It's again, it's going back to working with the bank is because every dollar of the proceeds of the sale will go to the bank. Right. And then there would be a gap still um, that they would have to come to the closing table. So that's a lot of situations we face in trans world where we're bringing in second wind first. So. Right. So the idea is, An over-leveraged balance sheet creates an inability to bridge a gap. One of those gaps is between buyer and seller, meaning it's hard to align a buyer and the fair market value of the business with what it takes to resolve the liabilities of the seller. And never the twain shall meet. So when we take the business through a reorganization, we solve that problem. And rather than a seller thinking their only path to exit is by asking somebody to write a check for more than their business is worth, we do it slightly differently. We reorganize the business, allowing a strategic reorganizational partner that will identify together with the current owner to come in and acquire the business at asset cost. And what we're doing is we are transferring the business operation from the operating entity with the liabilities to a new clean operating, excuse me, operating entity with no liabilities. And now seller and reorganizational partner relaunch the business together. And as they hit their operational and EBITDA targets, they exit together. Um, and you know, sometimes what will happen is that reorganizational partner is, is somebody very close to the original business that currently has no ownership stake. It could be a general manager or a C-level employee, and they'll step in, uh, to participate in the transaction as we clean up the balance sheet, clean up the business, relaunch it. But the important point is then what you're doing is you're taking that business to market on a fair market footing. You're not trying to sell a you know, quote unquote, distressed business, no one likes that word, or even a business with liabilities, you're selling that business um, for its underlying value. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot cleaner. I mean, we know a lot of the business we we sell with that we do them as an asset sale and cash free debt free, but oftentimes in due diligence, um, almost always, actually, the buyer will still look at the balance sheet, right? And a messy balance sheet, the business as over leverage will be very scary uh, to those buyers. So that's when it becomes 
quote unquote, distressed um, in the buyer's terms, right? So it does make it more difficult to sell uh, for a, a fair, fair market value. So Right. So when, when we work together, meaning Second Wind and Transworld, the idea is we don't bother trying to sell a distressed business. What we right. do is we take a formerly distressed business, we make it undistressed, and we list it as a clean business. And that actually ends up creating not only value for a buyer, but it creates... Um, an exit for a seller that was otherwise impossible and a, and a transaction that at best would have been a marginal transaction if, if any transaction at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great partnership. So you mentioned in the beginning that business owners should not wait until they're completely distressed, facing bankruptcy, things like that. No. Um, oftentimes I'm, I'm sure that people do just because they don't know that your services are available. And I, I guess one of the follow-up questions I have for you that I feel like the listeners are thinking about is like, how long will this process take? Let's leave out the sell the business part later, but like how long does this cleanup process take as a range or on average? They're, the cleanup process is actually very fast because unlike other processes, there are not a ton of parties involved, meaning this is not something that involves judges or courts or you know bankruptcy attorneys or any of that. There's absolutely none of that. Um, this is a private negotiation that's conducted between the current senior creditor on the business, the business owner, a reorganizational partner, and a new lender who is going to come in. So essentially, there are four parties. And the timeline... Typically speaking, um, the transaction is complete in about four to five, maybe six weeks. Wow. That's fast. That's really fast. Um, it is fast. And, yeah. And, now, and what we do is, you know, the, the part where we are with the business owner longer, this doesn't necessarily apply to those who are looking to make an exit. Um, but let's say we have an owner come in and they're not quite ready to exit yet. So maybe they want to exit five years from now. So their intention is to stay in the business um, for whatever reason, for some amount of time. In that case, we are going to now stay, even though the transaction that creates the new operating entity is complete in four to five weeks, we are going to stay with that client over the next, say, 12 months while they are earning enough value out of the new clean business to resolve any personally guaranteed liabilities on the old operating entity. So there are really two components. It's the new company that can be brought to market or not. And then there is the resolution of any personally guaranteed liabilities. Okay. Those are the two parts. So we represent both the transaction that relaunches a new business and we represent the owner in making sure that they resolve their liabilities. Yeah. Which is also very important to, to bring up because sometimes too, owners don't realize what type of personal guarantees that they have on some of these liabilities as well too. And um, that's just as important, probably more so to clean up for them as well as the the balance sheet of the business too. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. So let's talk about, is there situations where um, Second Wind wouldn't be a fit or can't help or situations that owners sh should avoid when thinking about taking on liabilities that are going to prevent them or reduce their options in the future? Um, you know, typically, you know, for going through a pro any process, whether it was a, you know, a bankruptcy process, which I would never advise or our process, there, there needs to be a, generally speaking, a certain level of revenue um, in order to make it worthwhile going through this process. So, you know, uh, businesses with 2 million in revenue up typically will qualify um, to make the expense of going through a process worthwhile. Um, we are industry agnostic, work across the country. Um, no, there really isn't anything a business owner could do that would 
preclude them from going through um, the Article 9 reorganization process. Um, no. Okay. Good to other know. Than, other, than, other than filing a bankruptcy. Oh, yep. Is other than, of, yep, just jumping and going through with the I, entire bankruptcy procedure. Well, once you're in one, it's very hard to pull you out of one. That's the problem. And so we, unfortunately, we get a lot of calls from trusted advisors and, you know, they're seeking our help, but they were too late. And the business owner had filed a bankruptcy uh, in, you know, and then there's unfortunately nothing we can do. Well, um, you know, before we get to some of our final questions, I do want to talk a little bit about the process, um, especially the first steps, you know, say there's an owner listening and they're 2 million and up, and maybe they're further down the road, considering bankruptcy, what, what would a first conversation, the first steps of your process together look like just to make them feel a little bit more comfortable um, in how this would work? Yeah. The what to expect. So the first call is generally a very informal and fairly short call. Um, We call it an assessment and it's anywhere from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And really what that is, is us getting a um, just an overall sense of the business, its revenue, its liabilities, what the problems were, what the goals of the current owner are and what sort of personal asset exposure uh, and personal guarantee exposure that owner may have. Um, From there, we talk about what kind of relief uh, this model or this process would bring to the business and owner. If the owner elects to from there, we would schedule a full consultation with a strategist, which becomes the next phase. And that's generally an hour long call. And there may be several of them as we collect some financial details, et cetera, and look a little deeper and develop what the plan will be. Um, from there, if we decide to engage, um, there is a, a team which includes uh, you know, a, a case manager, the consulting team that's put together for the case. Um, and we take it from, from beginning to end. So we're, we're dealing, as you might imagine, with a buyer, with financing, uh, with, with current creditors, uh, and in the goals of the current owner. Yeah. So I wanted I wanted to ask you that question too, Bob, because I wanted to have people understand that it's worth a conversation, right? So if if you're facing some issues with cash flow and you think um, this restructure would be a benefit to your business, or if you're yep. advi- an advisor listening, um, a client's business, it's worth the conversation, it's, right? You know, it's it's always worth the conversation. It there are some surprising fact patterns. So for example, I had a lender call me the other day. He really wanted to help a company out, but they had a, a 50 million, this is a large company, that a 50, $50 million Main Street loan. And the Main Street loan payments are now coming due and the repayment terms are unsupportable for this business. And so this is a, a situation where we might come in or uh, a factoring lender um, called eCapital was talking about a situation where there was enough accounts receivable to take out the eight merchant cash advances that the owner had stacked. Now, maybe they could, but in conversation, we realized, wouldn't it be better to reorganize the business and put that money back into the business rather than using it to pay off merchant cash advance loan sharks? Yeah. So there are endless endless permutations and iterations of, of when and how to leverage the process. So I just say, you know, if, if an overleveraged balance sheet is a challenge to financing, it's a challenge to a sale, it's in any way holding back a transit, a transaction or growth, um, that's a time to at least explore the conversation. I agree. Hey, you've brought up one term that I just want to clarify for everybody. We don't have to name names. Um, but what is a, a merchant cash loan um, that you mentioned a couple of times? Because people might not be aware of that terminology, yes. but they're likely in one of those situations. 
So a merchant cash advance, um, which is sometimes referred to as a loan, although it should not be, uh, because the interest rates um, translate in anything from 100 to 300% APR, um, they are aggressive loans that are, or advances against future receivables. And unfortunately, too many business owners take one of these out because they feel they don't have other options, which is sometimes true, sometimes not. They may not have heard of asset-based lending, they may not have heard of factoring, or they don't have the asset base. But they take one out and then quickly realize that servicing that becomes very, very difficult. And they take out a second one to service the first and so on, and that's called stacking. And Merchant Cash Advance, as part of the contract you sign, they have access to your operating accounts and they're subject to daily or weekly withdrawals. And then the problems really come into play when inevitably anyone who has stacked more than one of these things is by definition insolvent, uh, you will fall into default. And what the Merchant Cash Advance company will do is then start sending something called a 406 notice to your account debtors, intercepting your accounts receivable. And that we've seen that be almost the, you know, the death of many businesses um, if we didn't get to them in time. Yeah. So, so my, my advice is stay away from them. Be very yeah. careful. Of them. If, if you, if you are looking at a merchant cash advance facility, um, never take more than one and make sure you have an exit plan for the one you are taking. Yes. Yeah. We've seen same thing. Um, a, a lot of businesses that fall into that trap with the merchant cash advance and the stacking again is, is critical for them. Um, so, if you are in a situation like that and you're considering a merchant cash advance, you can reach out to a transferable agent and they can connect you to some other resources potentially to vet that. And if you're in a situation with a merchant cash advance right now um, that feels like it's unsustainable or you've stacked them, um, definitely reach out to Second Wind to speak about that. So, Bob, before I have you give your contact information for everyone, I just ask um, anyone that comes on this podcast, obviously, we're talking to people who want to position their businesses for sale, maybe to potentially buy a business. Um, in the realm of what you do in your experience, what would be your number one piece of advice um, to our listeners? Hmm, give me a little bit, narrow the scope of that one a little bit. Yeah. So, like, so if, if you're trying to position your business for sale and potentially the balance sheet isn't exactly where you would want it to be, mm -hmm. what, what's your number one piece of advice? My number one piece of advice, other than the same advice, which everyone would give, which is to bring in whoever you need to bring in to optimize um, optimi optimize your operations and profitability before going to market, is if, it's, if the problem is a little beyond that, then realize that there is another path besides just trying to sell the business as is, that you can reorganize that business and bring a clean uh, a clean business to market on a fair market footing and exit through what we call a reorganization rather than exit simply through a traditional sale exit. Love it. I totally agree. And this is why we're going to be such great partners together. I think we're going to be able to bring a lot of value to a lot of business owners. So um, Bob, this has been a great conversation. I hope for our listeners, this is a topic um, that we've been able to introduce you to. And, and if you're in a situation like this, give you another option. Um, if someone wants to reach out and have that first conversation with Second Wind, how, uh, what is the best way they can reach you? Well, I can give a phone number, which would be a good place to start, um, which is uh, one 800 594 Seven four seven three. My email is uh, it's long. It's uh, my first initial R and my last name D I N O Z Z I. That's R Denazi at secondwindconsultants.com. 
And yes, that's a mouthful. Yes. And we'll drop it into the show notes too. So if you're listening to a podcast, that app, just swipe up and it'll be right in the show notes for you. Bob, thank you so much for um, partnering with Transworld for providing services for our clients. And thank you for being on the deal board. My pleasure. Thank you, Jessica. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back to the deal board, everybody. And today I have one of my colleagues and partners from our Transworld Business Advisors of Colorado office, Patrick Bombardier. Patrick, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jessica. Good to be back. Thanks. Yeah. So you've got a really great opportunity listed for sale right now. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's a cool business. It's one of those businesses that gets it checks a lot of boxes for, you know, we talk to a lot of different types of buyers. And this is one that is, you know, currently home-based. It's a, it's a business that um, the owner operates part-time and it's completely relocatable. It can go anywhere in the country. There's no magic to it being in, in necessarily in Colorado, even though that's where it's being operated out of. Um, the owner of the business sells and distributes uh, different products on Amazon and uh, other places direct fulfillment himself and wholesalers and consumers, but mostly through Amazon. It's an Amazon-based business. They are kind of health and fitness related products, but you could add any kind of product to the model um, it's a real easy business to learn, very, very low overhead, no employees. Um, as I mentioned, can be run anywhere in the country. And um, the system is just kind of a plug and play system um, to get in and learn how to be an Amazon-based you know, seller. Um, the owner sources his products from different places, the United States and China, and um, ships to his home uh, home base and, and a storage facility. He does some repackaging and and gets things off to Amazon and gets it fulfilled. So it's a business that does really well, makes very clean um, seller's discretionary earnings. Um, it's a low price point, which is listed at $275,000. It's SBA pre-qualified. So like I said, it checks a lot of boxes for the types of businesses that people are looking for as you know, we talk to a lot of different buyers. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't think of anything more appropriate from what most buyers ask for. It's relocatable. You can work remotely or virtually anywhere in the world. Um, it's an e-commerce-based business at low price point, positive to sellers, discretionary earnings, and SBA pre-qualified. So yeah. I can't imagine you're gonna have this business very long. No. no. Uh, yeah. I know I'm getting a lot of inquiries and um, you know, and no, you forgot no employees, right? I oh mean, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm getting a lot of inquiries. We're just looking for one good buyer. Um, certainly cash works too, but uh, the, if, you know, they can qualify for SBA that we can, he can teach this business to super nice guy. And he's looking to retire. He's in his sixties, wants to play a little more golf. So looking for a connection to get both people onto a new, exciting adventure. If you're looking through our Transworld uh, website, you can look at our Colorado listings. It's uh, the, the headline on it is profitable, profitable home-based business branded product sales, but you can also contact me, Patrick at tworld.com, Patrick at tworld, um, and we can get you an NDA and get you the info on it. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'd say good luck, but I don't think you need luck on this one. Uh, we'll drop all that information into the show notes and Patrick, thanks for coming on the deal board. Okay. No problem. See ya. Hey, welcome back everybody. And it is a very special episode of The Deal Board. We have a great guest here. We have Sheila Darby of BizWorth. And she is a valuation expert. She's got a great company. Uh, she is a Transworld partner. Uh, and we work with her to help us uh, learn more about valuation. And of course, 
her be the go-to expert in inside of Transworld, uh, helping us get some more uh, clarity about what a business is worth. So Sheila, welcome and give us a little bit of background better than I did about your business. Well, that was a pretty good background. Thank you, Andy. Um, I, you know, I've been doing valuations for over two decades and really started out, I went to Baylor University undergrad and Rice University for my MBA. And I've got my CVA certified valuation analyst in my MAFF, Master Analyst Financial Forensics. And for two decades, the first half of my career was focused in oil and gas, working for a Fortune 10 company, um, lived uh, in various places across the world doing valuation work, loved it. And those were all strategic valuations. So a very um, specific buyer buying a very specific project, asset, or company. Um, the last the last uh, 10 years or so, been focused with BizWorth and doing business valuations. And I love it. I love working with business brokers in the Transworld family. And I absolutely enjoy talking to your clients and the business owners and the valuations range from everything to um, to retail, manufacturing, lots of different service-related businesses. Um, but that's a little bit about the background. That's a excellent credentials. I can tell you, I I went to get my valuation credentials twenty uh, something years ago, and I learned that I am not that analytical and not great at writing big fat reports and, and doing all that research. So I know what goes into those valuations. It's an incredible amount of work, but at some levels, it's a little bit of an art as well, right? It is. It And people don't realize that. They think it's a simple mathematical formula. There are all these calculators out there on the internet. They're great lead magnets, lead generators, but do <laughs> they're terrible at valuing businesses because there is the science of the mathematical formulas, but there's the art and understanding the businesses, what they're going through, um, et cetera, so. Yeah, we have one of those valuation calculators too. And it it is just a conversation starter. I think that's what it's we're trying to do. And, and, and ours is, and, and what you'll find is, you know, those values are so wide that you, you know, we're looking for you to pick up the phone. So we could give a, people a better idea because when people go to sell a business, as you know, um, there's so many factors that goes into deciding what it's worth, right? There's a lot of factors. And, you know, I, I think the calculators are great for people to understand that there's a conversation there and they need to call a transworld broker to start that, to start the conversation. But the art of it comes into of what's the history of the businesses look like? Where's the industry headed? Um, what are some anomalies going on with your specific business? Are there any adjustments that are unique to your business? And really the list goes on and on and on. So every business is so unique and different. Yeah, and, and let's just talk about the current economic world, right? So, uh, you know, we've had, uh, you know, I would say from 2012 through 2020, we had this kind of like rising, nice kind of run of business out there in the world where businesses were probably stable, but they were probably rising in profits. And then 2020 hits. And right. then, you know, we have this big upheaval. We have PPP. We have money through being thrown around. Some businesses are doing great. Some businesses are doing Horrible. And now we're in a position, it's 2023. Uh, we just got through the first quarter and we're looking at a possible recession. So how has that changed your business over, let's say the last 
three to four years. In terms of in terms of Bizworth, it really hasn't changed our business at all. Um, in terms of we're in a growth stage, but in terms of how we approach valuations, I will say during the time of 2020, 2021, there was a tremendous number of um, companies that we just had to spend more time on their valuations, especially when we were going through COVID. We needed to understand the impacts that COVID was, you know, was having on their business, how long we thought it would take for them to come out of it. And then there's some unique adjustments. We were making adjustments related to COVID. I mean, some, some companies had to really, depending on what type of business they were in, they had to really have a lot of one-time expenses that we had to understand and understand how long they were going to go through and have adjustments. But we did lots of very detailed discounted cash flow analysis at that point. And now we see companies really coming out of COVID. And so we know what that looks like now. But um, it's been an interesting time. It's spending a lot more time on those valuations during that time period. Yeah, I think what what I've seen in the valuation world, and you could correct me if if you're wrong, is that we're we're a lot more focused on what's happening today. I mean, you know, we could look back, but you know, like 2020 is kind of an anomaly, and 2021 perhaps they were doing good or bad in recovering. 2022, let's call it a stable year, quote unquote. And now that we're in 2023, people are really hyper focused, kind of like on the last. 18 months to a trailing 12 months kind of thing, right? Right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So, you know, in in today's episode, we've been talking about businesses that don't make money and or have a large asset value. There's three valuation approaches out there in the world uh, that we've talked about a lot. There's the market method. There's a, you know, there's an income method. And then there's this elusive method or not often used in our business because we're mostly dealing with businesses that cash flow or have some sort of cash flow. But now that we're going to 2023, might be a recession, might be uh, businesses coming down in revenues and earnings to maybe nothing or less than nothing. How do we value those businesses? Uh, that's a great question. And, you know, every year we get our fair share of just wonderful businesses to value, but they've had a hard time for whatever the reason may be. And we may see an uptick of those during 2023 that if they're in a particular quarter, they may be having a difficult time. What we look at is we look at the holistic picture. And every time we look at evaluation, we are considering all three approaches. So we're looking at the market approach, like you mentioned, um, and in, in that particular way, if they're if the company's been unprofitable and there's a specific reason why, they may still be able to use the market approach. We'll have to look at the last three to five years and understand what the reasons were. But particularly for companies that are losing money, there it might be appropriate to do a sales multiple. There are some industries that if, if there's if there's a company that's unprofitable. Be, for whatever reason, there may be appropriate to buy a book of business based on a sales multiple. So that's one. Two, depending again on what's happening when we look at the income approach, it may be appropriate to do a discounted cash flow analysis, analysis and show the company coming out of whatever that event is. So it may still be appropriate to do an income approach as well. 
um, and to do a forecast where we have to be careful as um, business owners and brokers is know that buyers likely won't purchase a company that you show a hockey stick of growth for it because they know that they're going to have to do that for the company they buy. But there might be some reasonable um, coming out of the unprofitableness um, of the company, especially if there's a five-year history of the company being profitable and there's a specific event going on. Um, but then the last one for unprofitable businesses, we may look in, maybe they're unprofitable because they're in a declining industry with, um, with, with uh, margins and or something's going obsolete or et cetera, but there might be value with assets or so whatever the reason may be, there is this thing called the asset approach. And this is a very useful approach for companies that are one, they could be profitable, but they're holding companies. They hold real estate, they hold investments in other companies. Um, there's a so there's holding companies one two there's the companies that have been unprofitable particularly unprofitable for a few years generally if it's just one year um, there might be adjustments that could be done but if it's been several years that the company's been unprofitable we can look at the asset approach and generally the asset approach is the floor for evaluation um, and so in the asset approach there's a few different mechanisms there's there's a book value method. So you just take whatever's on your balance sheet. There's also an adjusted net asset value or method. And that particular method is where we look at all your assets on the balance sheet, but we, we make sure they're at fair market value today. So if you bought real estate as a business owner 20 years ago, we want to make sure today's market values on that. Um, and that's a red herring, I guess. I shouldn't go down there because a lot of times we sell real estate separately. So assets. There's a lot of cut manufacturers out there that have a lot of great assets and um, they're not marked at current value. So we'll first make sure that the balance sheet reflects fair market value. But then there's also maybe other intangible value, right? There's the value of your website and customer lists. And so we can talk about that too. But generally, an unprofitable business is worth something. So Right. And and so one of the things that might be hard in valuing that asset uh, is those even intangible and tangible assets. Um, do you look at like the highest and best use of those assets? You talked about fair market value. Maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Like, you know, if we have restaurant equipment or, you know, a, a, a restaurant, you know, obviously there's equipment sitting there. And, um, you know, the, the liquidation value is different than the in-place value and use value. Right. Um, you know, what do you usually look at in those kind of situations? That's a really good question. And that depends on the scenario of, of that particular business owner. So there are some cases where, unfortunately, a business might be getting locked out of their space and they have 10 days to get rid. That's liquidation value. And you better just sell it as quick as you can. And you probably need to sell it quicker than you can get an evaluation. Um, the other approach is what truly is the best value you think you can get for it? And then let's adjust the balance sheet for this valuation. So when we make adjustments to your income statement and to your balance sheet, it's not for accounting purposes, they're for valuation purposes. And so we're really looking for what you think is realistic. So if what's realistic is that you can get highest and best use for it, whatever it may be, well, then let's put that value on the books because that's realistic. What's not realistic usually is that we keep book value because usually book value grossly understates what you can get for your business. 
Um, but with that being said, for a company that that is profitable, usually this asset approach is not that important. It's really a floor and you don't have to really go through the exercise of, of finding all the fair market value for your assets unless you think you're sitting on too many assets that are not all in operation. Now, that's a different story. Right. And so tell me how many times, you know, so fair market value is between a buyer and seller, each knowing reasonable, have reasonable knowledge of the relevant facts and are, you know, at our arm's length. It doesn't really come into play for a strategic buyer. So right. how many times, you know, are you asked by business owners? And you brought up a great example, uh, a business that has sales. And for whatever reason, they're losing money. Uh, they took on too much debt or they, uh, they're in a bad location because, uh, you know, if, uh, something's happening in their industry. But that those sales may be worth something to somebody else. So when right. how often are you asked to say, hey, let's not do a fair market value on this. Let's understand what the strategic value is to someone else. We do get asked that. And I will say, before, you know, 10 years ago, before BizWorth, that was the world I was living in, was just right. strategic value. And so now I'm living in this world that 95% of the time I'm living in this fair market value world. And so when somebody wants a, a viewpoint of a strategic buyer, you really have to know who that buyer is mm. because you have to put the valuation through their lens and you have to look at it through their lens and you have to know what synergies are they going to have. You have to know whether they have to, for example, um, if you're a, if you're um let's say you're an IT consulting firm, you may have another strategic buyer that's trying to enter your market. And that's actually happening in one scenario. There's a very large evaluation we're working on. And there is an engineer that's in a fortune, not fortune, but a fifth largest, fourth largest city in the US, but they're going out to um, a state in middle America, but they have, they have an entry into multiple states into the power utility market. That's a strategic purchase. And that's when you see crazy multiples for EBITDA, et cetera. Um, so if you as a buyer, you want evaluation for a strategic buyer, you probably need to know, have a good idea of who that strategic buyer is going to be. And then we can, and that's usually a unique engagement that requires a discounted cash flow analysis because, and that's where the market approach isn't going to be as insightful because you have to look at revenues and based on the strategic buyer, how do you think revenues are going to grow? And then based on expenses, where do you think the savings are going to be? And then you get this valuation and you have to think about, are they going to be willing to pay me for every single dime of that, knowing that that might be their upper end that they can pay for it, right? So it's probably somewhere between fair market value and the strategic value. If they go higher than strategic value, then it's probably going to be hard for them to justify that to their own owners. Right. Yeah. All right. So great stuff there. And so you talked a little bit about getting valuations. So let's talk about why a business gets a valuation. And, and, and so you gave out a bunch of letters by your name, which I know means that you could do certified valuations. Yes. So why don't you also talk about like why sometimes you need a certified valuation and perhaps maybe you wouldn't need that. 
oh, there, there's lots of reasons why you need both. <laughs> um, first of all, there, that's a great distinction. They're certified and non-certified. And in my, in my humble opinion, um, I truly believe when a lot of owners are looking to buy or sell a business, they don't need certified. They need something with a few less pages than 90 to 100 pages um, right. that's going to put them to sleep probably pretty quickly, but it may not. It's their own business. So when you're looking to buy or sell a business or you're thinking about three years down the road or five years down the road, you may sell your business. That's also another great time to start engaging with a broker because you want to build that relationship and you want to get that initial valuation. And then you can start having a meaningful conversation with the broker or your advisor about how can I really improve the valuation? That's ideal. But buying or selling a business, strategic planning, just understanding the health of your business, all great reasons to do a broker's opinion of value and non-certified. You also get benchmarking in those reports. So you'll get the benchmarking of how is your company doing for their um gross margin or their operating expenditures, the profitability compared to the industry. That's really helpful information to have in some key ratios. The certified valuations, those are also important, but for very different reasons, right? I will say this, if you're buying or selling a business that has lots of different entities and you need to understand the valuations of each one of those distinctly, or maybe you need to do a roll-up, but it just is going to take more time to understand what those adjustments are, that's a good reason to have a certified valuation if you're looking to buy or sell a business. It's super complicated, right? That's a great reason. Um, but other than that, the other good reasons for certifieds would be, unfortunately, sometime life throws you some unexpected things such as a marital divorce, right? Dissolution, or you own a business and you have somebody that's wanting to sell their shares back to the company or to someone else. That's another great one, partner buyout buy-in. Capital raises, great reason to have a certified. Um, a capital raise, we treat a little bit differently than just a fair market valuation. And we use comps from a different type of database that has capital raises pre and post money. Um, other good reasons are um, very common would be your gifting, right? If you're going to gift part of your business to a friend, family member, or to a 501c, the IRS wants to see an appraisal, right? Signed by the certified individual. And uh, other good reasons would be litigation. And so unfortunately, sometimes there's lawsuits in business and uh, you want to certify it if you're going to court. So those are yeah. some reasons. It's uh, you, you hit on all of them. And uh, yes, I always say if the government or the courts are involved, uh, you definitely need a certified valuation. And you did mention in the process of the BOV, the broker opinion of value, and that's what you help Transworld with. And so if you want a broker opinion of value, certainly go to your Transworld associate yes. and they could get you a broker opinion of value. And if somebody wanted a certified valuation, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Sheila? I mean, honestly, the best way is you can contact your local Transworld office and say, you know, that they have a partnership with Bizworth um, because we can absolutely um, uh, work with Transworld to get you a certified. We also have Bizworth.com um, that you can come directly to us. I will say this, that if you've got 
an existing relationship with your broker, it's best just to order the report through Transworld and refer to the BizWorth relationship because you've got that meaningful relationship with the broker. And we have a meaningful relation, ongoing relationship with all the Transworld brokers. So there, that is a great avenue to get to us. Um, but otherwise, if you don't already have a relationship, you can come to bizworth.com um, uh, directly. But we always love working through our Transworld relationships. Yeah, I know there's a lot of legwork to do. And so you're going to need a little bit of help. And uh, I know uh, Sheila is very busy, so uh, she can use the assistance of a, a broker kind of running interference uh, for a lot of the questions that you're going to need. Uh, again, because it is an art, uh, it is certainly a science, but there's a lot of art to it. And Sheila is the best. And I want to thank you for coming on today. That was very good and very concise. And I think our our listeners will learn learn a lot today. So thank you. Great. Well, thank you for having me, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Welcome back, everyone, to the deal board. And for our listing of the week this week, I'm joined by my partner, Dustin, for Dallas, uh, Fort Worth Central Offices for Transworld Business Advisors. Dustin, you've been on the show before, so thank you for coming back. But you've got a great new business opportunity in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to share with us. Absolutely. And thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. So what I have for sale is a franchise children's hair salon. So as I know, as a parent, you know, it's always valuable to have a good place to take my kids to get their hair cut because I'm not going to be the one to do it. So this is a perfect opportunity for somebody that sees a need for a business that will never go out of style. Uh, business is listed for $200,000. We are coming in right about $90,000 STE pretty consistently for the last four years. Owner only works in the business somewhere between two to 10 hours a week. And the 10 hours is only if the front desk lady calls out sick. So she doesn't cut hair, doesn't do anything. She just manages uh, the stylist, orders some stuff, and pays payroll. Great opportunity for somebody with an E2 visa need or just somebody looking for a side business or if they want to get out of the corporate world and jump into their first bit of owning their own opportunity. Yeah, it's a great starter business, great E2 business. So um, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of interest on this business, Dustin, but if someone's listening to the podcast and they're interested in this business or possibly working with you on another opportunity in the Dallas area, how can they get in touch with you? All right. Well, the best way is always going to be to give me a call, 970-618-9330, or shoot me an email, and that's going to be daudet, which is A-U-D-E-T, at tworld.com. Awesome. And we'll drop all that information into the show notes too. Dustin, thank you so much for joining us on the deal board. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. You might not realize it, but life has a soundtrack. For most of us, it sounds a bit like... But you can always change the station. Mm. 
In hundreds of Delta Airlines destinations, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.